This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey, this is Evan. Hey, Jason Underwood. And we hope you're enjoying the shows on the Danger Entertainment Network now, including the Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast. Yeah, we're super thrilled to be a part of this awesome lineup, guys. Um, and what we do here on our show is it's look, we are just trying to make you guys laugh through all kinds of different avenues. Hear me out here. Yeah. Hear me out. Please. What we are is we're two geeky white dudes talking and trying to be funny. Yeah, not try to blow in your mind here with, uh, <laughs> with something brand, brand new, new, but um, you yeah. never heard anything like like this. We talk about Star Wars. <laughs> talk about, we talk about superheroes. Talk about Marvel movies, man. Look, we are we're cutting some damn we're we're, we're breaking some damn boundaries over we here. We are breaking new ground. Yeah. But for real, what we do is we play invented games. Yeah, and we try to spin everything into a brand new fun game that we've made yeah. up. Um we filter it all through that sensibility and we're both improvisers, so a lot of what we talk about ends up in in sort of a scene that we have a lot of fun with. We talk about our lives, pop culture, and movies. We talk about a little bit of everything. So if that's what you like, check us out. Bearded Ones Comedy Podcast on the Danger Entertainment Network. They look like Vikings. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network Podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a stream freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. Um, I'm seeing this pop up in my timeline. Before we get any further, I'm going to say um, rest in peace, Robert Forrester. I just saw that uh, a few minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, passed away at the age of 78. So, um, it is myself, Mike. And the producer to my editor slash host slash whatever, the producer <laughs> man himself, Derek. And we are the Dashing Duo. How's it going? All right. You're going to give me a swelled head? Oh, I, I will admit, and I'm admitting on air <laughs> for a while now, especially here, you have pulled in a good chunk of the stories we've covered. <laughs> I do what I can. So that's what makes us a great team. And the, f- the fun part is a lot of the stories that you pull up are stories I would have pulled up from a different source anyway. <laughs> so what does it matter? It doesn't. I just appreciate you. 
Oh, thanks. So um, check out the homepage, WeBeGeeks.net. Uh, our affiliates are on the right-hand side. Also, too, our partners found me and Heroes and Villains. Uh, click those images. Use the code WeBeGeeks for 15% off your first purchase. Because, hey, the Batman versus Joker backpack is out. I think it's $80. Hmm. I haven't uh, seen it. This thing looks awesome. I don't need any more backpacks. <laughs> um, let me find it. Yeah. Wait till you see this. $120 for the backpack. Wow. Yeah. Uh, copy. Here we go. There's the link. This this thing is um, the front pocket. You can flip, flip open. It has a Jokerized Batman logo on it. Mm. Looks pretty cool. Which, yeah. So you can either leave it Batman, or you can flip the cover to the front pocket and expose the zipper and make it the Joker Batman. It's pretty cool. And it, it's roll top, which I really like the roll. I've been liking the roll top designs. And it's because of Heroes and Villains that I've become a fan of the roll top design. Um, the, the, this is an amazing looking bag. I'm just going to say, this looks amazing. So if you are a huge DC fan... It is really cool. This is a bag to go with. I love the deeper. The, the only bright red is in the Joker bat logo. Yeah. The rest of the red is that muted red that we saw quite a bit in uh, the original Batman series. Batman movie series with Michael Keaton. <coughs> so I I thought, and we'll talk more about Keaton here in a little bit. Um. So yeah, uh, let me do a little quick math here. This bag, $120. With the code WeBeGeeks, to make the bag $102. Hmm. It's a bit of a savings. Not bad. Now, if you're looking at um, one of the Star Wars backpacks, which are all $80, we do the same math, except with $80 minus that 15%, we're talking 68 bucks, uh-huh. which actually makes it affordable. Hmm. And right now, the bags that they have available is the uh, Star Wars Stormtrooper backpack, which I think looks cool. I personally think there's too much white on it, especially with where I'm at, with all the sand and everything in the air and just how dirty everything is. <laughs> I mean, I, I play ice hockey, and the ice is dirty because of the sandy elements that drag from the floor onto the ice. <laughs> uh, the Boba Fett backpack looks great. Uh, the Star Wars X-Wing backpack looks great. It, it's not practical for me because I have a slightly wider laptop because of having a Pro Book. And this one is more for a normal design, uh, even though it'll hold up to the 15. Uh, I'm liking the more square, squared off backpacks instead of the, the round tops these days. Uh, the indoor backpack, which I have, is coming soon. Apparently they sold out. Um... And the Star Wars TIE Fighter backpack. Yes, they say uh, it's weather resistant. Yes, it is. I got a chance to have that verified earlier this week. It is weather resistant. <laughs> and it's a roll top. And it, it's it's nice. The interior of the TIE Fighter and the indoor backpack are almost identical. It's the exterior that looks a little different. And I like them both. My indoor pack is now my convention, travel, and parks backpack. It's the one I will take to the parts. So, um, also, too, check out our web store that is provided to us through Jersey. Um, I keep forgetting to plug them, and we appreciate the work that Jersey has done for us. Uh, you can get logoed merch for Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks, Wookiee Radio. Hopefully, some Keepers of the Fringe merch coming. Mm, perhaps. 
I don't know if there's a market for it, but May, we maybe we just do the t-shirts and hats. Not worry about uh, the jerseys quite yet. Yeah, I wish I had some idea what demand was. <laughs> if anybody actually wanted a keeper's shirt, well, you know, we haven't had a lot of demand because you guys, the listeners, really haven't been buying. But I think I think our market's decently priced compared to other. I mean, the hats, majority of the hats are new era hats. And we're right we're right in line with if you go get a new era hat from Lids, we're in that same price range. So, I mean, I didn't, and, and I tried to peak, or pick the lower priced hats. And with new era, pricing doesn't mean cheap, that they're cheap it, or lower quality. It's just the type of material used. So I, I tried to give various options. So, um, but yeah, it's all there and uh, check all that out. And, uh, that's all we got to say about that. <laughs> Business side is done. So, um, I guess we're going to get right into the stories. Apparently, okay, before we go any further, am I starting or are you starting this week? You can go ahead. All right. Kevin Smith says Clerks 3 plot was inspired by his own heart attack. Well, that's only fitting considering Clerks was inspired about his personal life. True. Um, I almost wished Clerks 2 was more inspired on his personal life, but Clerks 2 was still a great movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Clerks 2. Um, so, um, it's been announced Clerks 3 is officially moving forward. Uh, I think we talked about it briefly last week that script's been rewritten. It's not the original script that he was originally trying to shop. He's changed it up. Right. Uh, so, here are some details on the project. Randall has a heart attack, decides that he came so close to death and his life has meant nothing. There's nobody to memorialize him. He has no family or anything like that. And in the, the recovery, while under fentanyl, <laughs> fentanyl uh, he, he comes to the conclusion that midlife, having almost died, having worked in a movie store his whole life and watched other people's movies, he tells Dante... I think we need to make a movie. So Dante and Randall make Clerks. And that's the story of Clerks 3. I like that, it. That sounds awesome. So in a long roundabout way, he's retelling his clerk story. Except having the characters write clerks. Right. Um so I I think it's I think that's pretty cool. Um Yeah, I do. I mean there's more here of him basically rehashing the movie. Or the movie plot. Uh, that, uh, he goes, I guess, um, you know, the idea was a little different from his original plans for Clerks 3, which received a live reading this summer. But everything changed with his heart attack. And after he patched things up with Jeff Anderson, who is Randall, uh, he, he's quoted saying that movie was written by a guy who was obsessed with middle age and dying. It was about death. That was before I almost died. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, and I got to say, y'all know I'm a wrestling fan. No, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes were at the premiere of AEW's Dynamite live show last week where it premiered on TNT. I heard about that. Well, because of that appearance, he was supposed to be on WWE SmackDown premiere on Fox Network that Friday. He got a call on Thursday going, yeah, we don't need you at the show anymore. Mm-hmm. It was all because he appeared on on the rival show. Like, ooh. So I thought that little tidbit was cool, too. (laughs) First casualty of the WWE AEW Wars. (laughs) Non-wrestlers. So moving right along. Excuse me. I was was in (laughs) mid-drink. Perfect timing. (laughs) 
Well, you know, the old saying, what's old is new again. Well, that, uh, you know, that always seems to fit with fashion and nostalgia and other things. But uh, here's an interesting um, rehash on an old uh, an old thing. Uh, the Titan series for the uh, DC Universe app. Um, it had a surprise uh, when Jason Todd was thrown off of a building by Deathstroke. Ooh. Yes. So um, even though the other Titans tried to reach out to him, he did end up falling. So now DC wants to know if Jason Todd should live or die in a new pole. Sound familiar? Mm. Because that's what they did in the comics way back when. They had a poll to see if Jason Todd would live or get killed. And uh, back in the 80s, it was a, it was a phone poll because they didn't have the internet back then. Uh, um, but the uh, the story Batman: A Death in the Family, which is uh, definitely one of one of the uh, oh, it's a great storyline. It was a yes, great mini. It was, yeah. It was a great, yeah. It was a great, yeah. It was just great. It is um, for me. It was a shame I did not get the individual books. Yeah, me I too. I had it in trade, but I had the trade. But in many ways, I'm almost glad I got trade instead. Yeah, I was gonna say. It was kind of interesting to read it all at once instead of waiting. Or or having to go, okay, I'm going to read this one. Okay, put this up, get the next one out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the original vote was interesting. It wasn't a landslide, but uh, it, was, uh, it resulted in 5,343 yes votes to have him killed against 5,271 no votes to have him live. <laughs> so even though it was it was close, surprisingly, he did end up dying at the hands of the Joker in a very memorable and brutal sequence in the books. And it wasn't really it wasn't really the Joker's hand so much as it was a crowbar in the Joker's hands. He yeah. Mm. So um, now they're going back to that well to have fans vote on whether Jason Todd will live or die in the Titans series. So here is the official poll description. Holy 50-story plunge, Batman. (laughs) In the latest episode of Titans, Jason Todd was used as a pawn in Deathstroke's revenge against the team. Though Dick and Corey tried to save him, the episode ended with Jason falling to his doom. Will he live or will Jason Todd die? (laughs) Take the poll to let your voice be heard. This isn't the first time that Jason's fate was left to the whims of others. Will history repeat itself or will he live to mouth off another day? So it's it's interesting. It has the cast list in here. It says Titan season two stars Brenton Thwaites, Anna Diop, Tegan Croft, Ryan Potter, Mick Kelly, Alan Richardson, uh, and it did. Oh, it's it's, it's in in uh, the official season two description. Excuse me. In season two, following the aftermath of their encounter with Trigon. Dick reforms the Titans. Under his supervision in their new home at Titans Tower, Rachel Gar and Jason Todd, played by new series regular Curran Walters. Well, I guess he's not going to be a regular if he gets killed, if they right. vote to kill 
They train together to hone their hero abilities and work together as a team. They're joined by Hank Hall and Don Granger, Hawk and Delph, played by Alan Richardson and Minke Kelly, and Donna Troy. That's pretty cool. Uh, also known as Wonder Girl, played by Connor Leslie. Uh, and although these original Titans attempt to transition into a regular life, when old enemies resurface, everyone must come together to take care of unfinished business. And as this family of old and new Titans, including Connor Kent, played by Joshua Orpin, and Rose Wilson, played by Chelsea Zhang, learn to coexist, the arrival of Deathstroke, played by Esai Morales, Bring light the sins of the old Titans, which threatens to tear this new Titans family apart once more. So I found it interesting that they they did list in the official description. They listed the actor playing Jason Todd as a new series regular. (laughs) But for how long? Yeah, we shall see. I wonder what will happen this time. I still haven't watched Titans yet. I gotta watch. I still gotta watch. Uh, yeah. Do you have Titans? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't have season two yet. Oh, it hasn't started yet, has it? I don't think so. Um, I do have the rest of Young Justice, mm. and they set that up for a new season, which would be cool. I would love to see it continue. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, moving right along, Suicide Squad. Uh, the set photos reveal first look at new team in costume. And this is more, I think, along the lines of what we were expecting. Yes and no. Some of them. Some of them. Yeah. One or two are a little. Um, so I'm trying to I'm click the normal pictures. So, I'm, OK, who is Captain Boomerang and who? I'm not completely sure. I I don't recognize the character. Me either. Then down below, or in the next photo, that almost looks like Booster Gold, but it's not. I hope not. And I don't recognize her. Because he doesn't... That's not the way I want to see Booster Gold looking. Yeah, I don't recognize her either. Some kind of... I don't know if she's supposed to be an alien, or... I don't know. It's, It's almost borderline. Like... His is going a bit more cartoonish. Yeah, which I'm not sure about. It it almost looks like um, the pilot for the old Justice League show. Do you remember that? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm getting flashes of that. I'm like, ooh, no. (laughs) I'm walking through their pictures down below. This guy in the green with the green helmet. Has like a skull with crossed arms, muscular yeah, arms. Yeah. But the caption says nothing to help. No. Just upcoming cast members. And it doesn't have, of course, I mean, you know, any of the, like, Margot Robbie or anything. Yeah. So I don't even know. I'm For not- all we know, this could be like a gang that Captain Boomerang's hanging out with and he gets, you know, picked up again. Yeah. I'm forced to do Suicide Squad again. Who knows? It's so hard to say. Yeah. Because they have a guy in a mocap suit as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost afraid to know who that could be. I know. Yeah. These pictures are just of this particular group. Mm hmm. I don't know. What, the one guy looks familiar, though. Uh, seems like. Yeah, it's Pete Davidson. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So. 
And then there, I, I love the art, the story underneath, uh, or the headline underneath. The Suicide Squad needs Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn needs a girlfriend. <laughs> um, so yeah, from the set photos, we see some of the some of the iconic characters. Uh, the images that we're looking at are from uh, Just Jared's website, which is justjared.com. Um, they show many of the actors in costume. Uh, we see in the pictures, Jay Courtney, Mayling Ng, Nathan Fillion, Peter Davidson, and several other actors. Is that Fillion in the... Uh, Whoa, is it? In that suit? Oh, it might be. It's hard to tell, but... I wonder if there's anything on IMDb. It's entirely possible. Let's see what they say. Full cast and crew. Uh, Joel Kinnaman is Rick Flagg. Jay Courtney is back as Boomerang. Viola Davis. John Cena as Peacemaker. Hmm. David Dashmalchen as Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man. <laughs> I don't remember. This got to be newer, newer characters. <laughs> I don't know. Polka Dot Man. <laughs> Steve Agee as King Shark. Ooh. Ooh. Cool. Victoria Page Watkins as Tiff. Danella Melcoyer as Ratcatcher. Hmm. Um Yeah, they don't let they don't have Nathan Fillin's character listed. But Edris Alba is supposed to be in this. Uh Fillion. Yep. Michael Roker. Pete no, Davidson's yeah. character's not listed. Uh Mailing Ng. She's the one in the uh Space outfit. Hmm. And she was in uh, Wonder Woman and Scorpion King, Book of Souls. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool. I just don't. Um, so, yeah, these just show the variety of the characters. Uh, little's known about the plot, though it's said to be a total reboot of the 2016 film. Just several key actors from that film will be returning, um, which we've talked about. I almost wish they brought Will Smith back. I liked his... I liked his character. I didn't. Okay. I'm was okay it? with Will Smith. So you're not a Will Smith fan? Not really, no. Okay. I mean, sometimes he's okay, but most of the time he's just Will Smith as, you know. it was For me, it wasn't Deadshot. It was Will Smith in a Deadshot costume. Okay. I can see that. But I didn't think he did bad as Deadshot. Mm. So, um, but I do like our next story coming up. This makes well, me all sorts of happy. Well, don't get too happy about it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the new seasons of the CW shows have begun. Um, and, of course, they're all leading up to the big Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover coming up in December. And we've seen little bits and pieces of news popping out every so often. Uh, about some of the interesting uh, cameos and other things that are going to be in this crossover, including we just it has just recently been revealed that we might get a glimpse of Michael Keaton's Batman. Oh, well, wow. like I said, don't get too excited, though, because uh, it's not really it's cool, but it's not as cool. As you would hope. It would be better if he was actually in it. <laughs> yes. So there was a, an image treated, tweeted out uh, by the Arrowverse DC uh, Twitter account. 
And uh, it is a picture of a newspaper, the Gotham City Gazette. And it has a picture of Michael Keaton. Um, and it says, Wayne Tech CEO Bruce Wayne to marry socialite Selena Kyle. And uh, that's kind of uh, all we really have about it. Um, so, I mean, it's a nice little tidbit. It's kind of cool that right. that's kind of part of it. But again, yeah, it would be cool if we could actually see Michael Keaton. But I, there's no way that's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe there is a way. You think Michael Keaton's going to slum it on a CW show? I think for for a role or for something like this. I mean, this is supposed to be like a, the major event. And if they if they pulled this off right, this, this will blow anything that's done in the movies. Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, some of the other things that we've heard about, um, we know Tom Welling's going to be coming back as Clark Kent slash Superman. Tyler Hoechlin's going to be coming back as his Superman role from Supergirl. Brandon Routh is going to be Superman. Uh, yeah. It actually lists him as Clark Kent Superman and Ray Palmer the Atom. So he's going to be playing both roles. That's interesting. I'm guessing probably not at the same time. Uh, and we got Erica Durant as Lois Lane, Tom Cavanaugh as Pariah, LaMonica Garrett as the Anti-Monitor, John Cryer's coming back as Lex Luthor. Sounds cool. Yeah. Did you see any of that last season on Supergirl? I saw some of it, yeah. He was awesome. Um, Elizabeth Tulloch as Lois Lane, Kevin Conroy, who you most people would know as the voice of Batman in the animated series. He's going to be Bruce Wayne. Uh, Chris Williams' Black Lightning is going to be in it. But Jonathan. But it sounds like he's going to be a different Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. especially if this one's being teased. Yes. Uh, Jonathan Sheck as Jonah Hex. Ashley Scott as the Huntress. Um, from back in um, from the Birds of Prey series, I, and Bur- I hope they make Jonah Hex. Well, they've already used him in yeah. the show. Yeah, yes. he he looked good there a lot in better, Lent- a lot yeah. better than uh, in, was that Josh in, Brolin? Yes, better than Brolin's Hex. Yeah. Um, and of course we know that Burt Ward, the bat, the Robin from Batman sixty six, is going to be in the show as well. And there was actually a picture that got tweeted out of him walking down a street with a German Shepherd, and everyone's like, "Oh, is that is that the bat Ace the Bat Hound?" Could be, <laughs> or an Ace. Considering if we're talking yeah. his time yeah. period, yeah. So uh, this five episode crossover is going to start with Supergirl on Sunday, December eighth. It will be followed by Batwoman on Monday, December 9th, then The Flash on Tuesday, December 10th, and then they're going to take a bit of a holiday hiatus, and then they will return with Arrow on January 14th, that's Tuesday, at 8 p.m., and it will finish off with Legends of Tomorrow at 9 p.m. on Tuesday, January 14th. So that's in, it, so they do the three episodes, then they go on break, and they come back and do the f- the final two episodes on the same right, night, right. two weeks that's later. Cool. That's cool. Or more. That's pretty awesome. I'm very very interested to see this. What it it does sound like it's going to be huge. Huge. 
let's just hope it's good. But they've done yeah. they've done pretty decent with their uh, um, their big crossovers. Even with the singing, the musical uh, crossovers. Uh, yeah, I could have done without that one. <laughs> they were still pretty <laughs> decent. So, uh, I guess that brings me to back to me. Indeed. Uh, final trailer for Rise of Skywalker. Apparently, it's going to be dropping October 21st. Um, of course, that's the final trailer. Or, okay, the headline says final trailer. And this says, mark your calendars. The first official full trailer will debut Monday Night Football, October 21st. What? Okay. Is it Think the f- Yeah. Um... I can see it potentially being the first and only full trailer with a lot of the TV trailers, 30-second spots coming. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But because technically we did get a trailer from D23 where you, if you cut all the original prequel trilogy stuff out of it right, and pick up from there and just I think they redid some of the wording, that was a trailer. So I don't know. A new trailer is coming on the 21st. But we were talking before show, we have both seen stories saying that potentially new trailer is actually coming next week, according to the agent for uh, John Boyega. John Boyega. Yes, I saw the 14th, which would be this this month coming week earlier. Uh, Yeah, be on Monday. Yeah. According to John Boyega's agent. Yeah. So, so, sometime in the next two weeks, there's a new trailer coming. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's pretty safe. So, we will just leave it at that. Indeed. So, that almost makes you want to say, Thundercats, ho! Tried to do it like Hexall Jim Duggan, and it just did not work. <laughs> All right, so, this is, uh, reading up on this, this is a crazy, interesting story. Um, so earlier this year, it was announced that Michael Bay would be directing a movie for Netflix. The movie would be called Six Underground, and it's supposed to star Ryan, Ryan Reynolds and Dave Franco. But recently, uh, there was a report that came out claiming that the title Six Underground is just a cover-up and that it is secretly a live-action Thundercats movie. Ooh. Now, the original premise for Six Underground said that the story revolved around six billionaires who faked their deaths in order to team up and fight evil. Okay. It got a $150 million budget, which is one of the largest budgets ever given by Netflix, in hopes that it would spawn a franchise. Uh, the script is being helmed by Rhett Reese and Paul Warnick, who wrote both Deadpool movies. Um, so perhaps we could see an action comedy. But uh, then sources were saying that the movie is secretly set to be about the Thundercats. And the entire Six Underground premise is just a ploy in order to make the Thundercats reveal a surprise. And this came out of IGN. Um, so, uh, whereas it would be cool to see a Thundercats movie, not so cool for me if it's done by Michael Bay. Yeah, that's my fear. But, but it has also come out, been reported that Rhett Reese and Michael Bay, um, I'm sorry, uh, when asked about the rumors, Rhett Reese simply said, no. 
<laughs> and Ryan Reynolds has addressed the rumors as well, saying, I don't understand. Six Underground is an insane action film set in amazing locales like Florence, Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, and Thundera. This is the most ridiculous rumor yet. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, uh, this uh, this could be a Thundercats movie, or it could not be a Thundercats movie. But yeah. See a Thundercats movie? I do not want to see it done by Michael Bay. If Michael Bay's on it, I don't want him anywhere near the set. No. I don't want him anywhere. Um, anywhere. If I he wants myself, to I hear myself come back. If he wants to be a producer, that's fine. But that's it. Get nowhere Get near nowhere a camera. Near a camera. Get nope. nowhere Get nowhere near the sets. The sets. Nope. Nothing to do with the story. Nothing. Although I can't I can't see how he would make the Thundercats as ugly looking as the Transformers. <laughs> give him give him time. Uh, you know that. You know that. I know. I know. Well how about, well, how about how about this? How about this? I'm gonna switch. I'm gonna switch your voice because you're more the lean guy. Okay. And, I'm fine. and I still don't. I still don't understand why I'm hearing myself come back. I don't know. It's sounds weird. What's on my end? What's on my end? Anyway, the original Animaniacs voice cast is returning for the series revival. Uh, it was announced a couple years ago that Spielberg was teaming up with Hulu to revive the classic, and today we got some cool news. Uh, this was three, three days ago as of recording. The original voice cast, including Rob Paulson, Tess, Tress McNeil, and Jess Harnell, yeah. um, are returning as Yakko, Dot, and Wacko. Um, and the announcement was, we are very pleased, this is from the, the Animania cast, we're very pleased to finally see in print today. In Yakko Pinky's voice lessons that the original voice cast of Animaniacs has indeed been working on the upcoming reboot. Um, Rob, Maurice, LaMarche, Jess Harnell, and Tress McNeil are all back. I can't wait to see uh, the new Animaniacs. So, I love Animaniacs. I hope they keep it the same as what the original was and not updated. Yeah. So, um, hey, I have Hulu. You have Hulu. Yep. Only one thing left to say. Hello, nurse. <laughs> so, I will now turn it back over to you. All right. Well, so this is actually something I'm not ready for yet, but it has been officially announced that the next generation of PlayStations is coming. And that is, of course, the PlayStation 5 that is due to come out by the end of 2020. And again, like I said, I'm not ready for it yet. So I probably won't be getting it uh, right away. I usually don't get new systems as soon as they launch. I usually wait a little while. But uh, I'm happy with my PS4. But I know there will be some early adopters. Of course there always are. So this was announced by the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Jim Ryan, in a PlayStation blog post, which is an odd place for them to announce a new system. Yeah. But, um, and uh, he also talked more about one of the most innovative parts of the new co c console, bleh, uh, in particular, the controller. 
Um, so in an exclusive piece by Wired, um, he said the PlayStation 5's controller aims to, and I quote, deepen the feeling of immersion when you play games. So uh, they're going to be adopting haptic feedback to replace the rumble technology found in controllers. Um, And with haptics, you truly feel a broader range of feedback. So, for example, crashing into a wall in a race would feel much much different than making a tackle on the football field. Uh, You can even get a sense for a variety of textures when running through fields of grass or plodding through the mud. So the the, uh, sticks will basically have a different feel depending on what you're doing and what kind of terrain you're on, which is really kind of cool and interesting. Yeah. Uh, In addition to that, the triggers on the controller uh, will be getting an upgrade with adaptive triggers that have been incorporated into the trigger buttons, the L2 and R2 buttons up on the shoulders. For those of you who are PlayStation fans, like me, uh, and then they said developers can program the resistance of the triggers so that you feel the tactile sensation of, say, drawing a bow and arrow or accelerating an off-road vehicle through rocky terrain. In combination with the haptics, this can produce a powerful experience that better simulates various actions. So game creators have already started to get early versions of the new controller so that they can work with. And uh, there's a couple of it's some interesting features on the new controller. That That's kind of exciting. They haven't had like a major um, update on the controller in quite some time. So it'll be pretty cool to see what they do with this. Yeah. You could have some, some very, very cool and interesting possibilities. I think so. It'd be cool. Mm, quite Back to you. Um, Freddie Prince Jr. is also making headlines as he unleashes an epic rant against Star Wars haters. <laughs> Sounds right up our alley. Yep. Did you watch any of this? No. Oh, you need to watch it. It's three <laughs> minutes and just over three minutes worth of rant. And it's so worth it. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it. Um, so Freddie Prince Jr. is on Jeff Dye's Friendship Pod, um, addressing his recent surge in fandom, in f- addressing this recent surge in fandom negativity in a pretty epic rant. In this yeah. segment, uh, he uses the knowledge that he was taught by Rebels creator Dave Filoni to address everything from the fact that fans aren't happy that Han Solo gave the Millennium Falcon to a girl, <laughs> but he... okay. Let's talk about this part first. He took the Falcon back from Ray and accepted her as his co-pilot since Chewbacca was injured and being tended to in the back. Right. He didn't give the Falcon to Ray. Right. It was kind of bestowed on her after, I repeat, after Kylo Ren decided to use Kylo Ray as, or use Kylo Ray. Kylo Ren used Han Solo as a cocktail olive for Martini. Mm-hmm. In other words, ran his lightsaber right through him and let him slide off the lightsaber into the chasm. Right. Hello. Um, and then from how Luke Skywalker's story essentially mirrors that of a Disney princess. You're like, how is that one possible? 
Luke's, Luke Skywalker is Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty. He could talk to things that don't speak English, and he understands what the what they're effing saying. He gets a furry godfather instead of a furry godmother who teaches them how to be the best Jedi in the world in no time flat. Uh, Prince went on to argue that fans have gamified their understanding for how the Force works, which strays away from Lucas's true vision. While throwing a tangent about how the gray Jedi would not actually work in the Star Wars universe. Uh, he goes, people can, I'm paraphrasing this word, but people complain about the dumbest things. These are archetype characters. These are Lucas's words. There's no Jack Bauer in Star Wars. That character doesn't exist. It's not Han Solo. Han Solo is a reluctant hero. That's the archetype. Darth Maul, who everybody wants to win, is everyone's favorite because he looks sick and is great in video games. Um, he's Sisyphus. He's born to fail. Sisyphus. Sisyphus. He's born to fail. Learn your Greek mythology like I don't like. I don't know. George effing Lucas did. <laughs> he cursed out. He's cursed to roll a boulder up the hill, only to have it roll to the bottom again every single time for eternity. That's Maul's quest. He's in on the joke, you guys. He knows it. He's just cursed to live that life. I want to watch this again. I'm gonna have to watch it. Yeah, very cool. So, um, so yeah. Then we got the uh, most controversial scenes. In superhero movie moments of the decade. I'll let you start us off. Number one. I'm sorry. Number 15. (laughs) Going backwards. Number one. The rape scene in the movie Super. I don't remember that movie. I saw it, but I don't remember it either. Um, So this is a James Gunn movie, of course. And it contains probably the single most disturbing sex scene that's ever been in a superhero movie. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Um, There haven't been that many in other hero movies. No. So, uh, super starred Rain Wilson as a low-budget superhero, the Crimson Bolt. And Ellen Page played Bolty, the kid who decided her life wouldn't be complete unless she became the Crimson Bolt's sidekick. Uh, then, in a disturbing and psychopathic twist, Bolty raped her mentor. Okay. And James Gunn described the rape scene as sort of beautiful. Okay. Okay. We know the type of trouble he got into. Just say that's things. the stuff that will get you fired, fired from Marvel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Number 14 yeah. is Joker Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, in Suicide Squad, they decide to play it straight with Joker generally seeming to care for Harley. The the most the abusive scenes were mostly cut, even though many of them were in the trailers. And the Joker actually rescued Harley from Task Force X twice. Uh, in the DCEU, uh, seems to be trying to course correct this with the recent Birds of Prey trailer or theater only trailer, declaring that Harley is so over clowns. <laughs> I guess so. So, number 13, Gamora's death scene in Avengers Infinity War. So, of course, we know that in Infinity War, Thanos went after the Soul Stone. But uh, it turns out that uh, anyone who wants to get the Soul Stone has to sacrifice someone they love. And, of course, that led to, uh, as you recall, Gamora finding that quite amusing thinking that there was nobody in the universe Thanos loved, 
until she realized that it was uh, actually her that Thanos loved, his own daughter Gamora. And so she became the sacrifice that Thanos had to make to get the Soul Stone. Uh, so it kind of makes things, it kind of makes, puts an interesting twist on the relationship between Gamora and Thanos, uh, to know that he actually does care about her, but he still kind of treats her not so well. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, to continue over into the next movie about Black Widow's death in Avengers Endgame. Hmm. Um, of course, you know, it's the whole fight that broke out between the two friends who um, Natasha ultimately won, falling from her death from the cliffs. Unfortunately, it felt arbitrary rather than a compelling, than a, than compete, completing a character arc. Uh, Marvel then slipped up by not shooting a funeral scene. And even Spider-Man's Far From Home minimized Black Widow's significance. Hmm. So, well, number 11, and this, this, this one was definitely one of my least favorite parts of the movie, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, which was in itself a controversial film because it talked. It, it just didn't, didn't feel right. Yeah. So, of course, I'm talking about the flash vision sequence in the film in which a sleeping Batman dreams a vision of a dark future and then encounters a time-jumping flash with a mysterious warning. So the scene doesn't... The scene which was uh, intended to set up Zack Snyder's overarching narrative... Um, ended up not making sense because, number one, anybody, any casual viewers of the film, like, say, my wife, had no clue what was going on. Even I didn't have any clue exactly what was going on. Um, and I'm, you know, right. and I'm the, I'm the intended audience. Um, but what made it worse is that the DCEU has changed direction and that narrative has been abandoned. So that scene will forever live on as something that makes no sense. Stupid. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number 10, the destruction of Auschwitz in X-Men Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Mm. Um, so we have uh, the, the title villain was making an attempt, was attempting to turn Magneto to his cause. In order to do so, he took the master of magnetism to the old concentration camp in Auschwitz, reminding Magneto of his own personal history. It was clearly, clearly meant to be a powerful and emotional moment. Magneto lashes out with a flare of power and tore Auschwitz apart. Um, Unfortunately, it just came across as crass and tasteless, uh, considering the place Auschwitz holds in world's history. Yes. Well, <laughs> this next one we have talked about ad nauseum. <laughs> speaking of uh, crass and tasteless. Yeah. Uh, DC Animation put out a an adaptation of the Alan Moore story, Batman the Killing Joke which is a beloved comic book art uh, arc, excuse me. 
But the controversial part is actually has nothing to do with the comic book because it was a scene that was added in. Uh, not just a scene, actually. It was an entire unnecessary romantic subplot between Batgirl and Batman. Yeah. Which came to a head in a sex scene on a rooftop in which Batgirl straddled the Dark Knight. Now, remember, in the comics, Batgirl, Batman is Batgirl's mentor. And she's best known for having a relationship with Dick Grayson. <laughs> so having her in a relationship with Batman is just wrong. Can we just say stupid? Mm, I still have no clue why they put that in, why they felt the need to put that in there. I don't either. I don't either. And we've talked about it, it the whole thing. Everything up through that point was not necessary for the film. Right. If they had just started off where it takes place after the scene, which is Joker showing up at Barbara's apartment. Right. And just run the story. That part of the film on was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was. And, it and, was, we, and we got a good, what, 45 minutes out of it? Almost an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so apparently there was a, the biker scene in Captain Marvel. Um, mm. this was released, released as a deleted scene. It's, it's titled what? No smile. Uh, Captain Marvel is harassed by a biker while trying to read a map. The biker jokes about how she's not giving him a smile in response. Uh, Captain Marvel uses an energy discharge to humiliate the biker and then makes off with his bike and the jacket. Um, this is this is kind of pointed, given that there was a strange controversy over whether actress Brie Lawson smiled enough in her role. Mm. So, yeah. Up next, number seven: Superman and Zod's Trail of Destruction in Man of Steel. Uh, so, um, even comic book writer Mark Wade, who is generally considered one of the best in the business. Uh, he 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 was uh, with most of the fans when he said that he felt that Zack Snyder's Man of Steel went too far. He even described it as disaster porn. Uh, but Snyder felt all the destruction was necessary in order to make the film feel mythological in terms of scale. But I guess eventually he even had to accept that it was overkill. Right. And even worse, the number of fatalities became a major subplot in the next DCEU movie, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. The yawn of flopness. Yes. In which they went to hilarious lengths to move the doomsday battle to a deserted island to prevent another disaster porn accusation. But you know, while as controversial as it was, I think it's one of the first films to actually show almost the reality of destruction or or the or the actual results of a superhero fight. Yeah, but it went a little too far, I think, is the problem. Oh, I agree. Don't don't get me wrong. I agree. But it was cool to finally finally see you know the the whole. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, it's something you don't see with the other other in a lot of other films. So, but 
Uh, I guess that rolls back over to me. Yep. Eight years later in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, this is one of the most overlooked MCU continuity errors, but this one is, seemed to be proven too, a lot more obvious, um, considering that the title card claimed the film happened eight years after the Avengers when it took place four years later. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, it's even worse than that. The next one in which Batman kills in Batman versus Superman. Now, we all know, those of us who are Batman fans, that in the comics, Batman is famous for his no-killing rule. Right. That is why someone like the Joker is still around, even when he's pushed the Dark Knight to the brink of madness time and again. But Zack Snyder had a different vision. In a Batman versus Superman, he presented a Batman who had given up hope long ago. And as a result, this Batman no longer cared who he killed, as demonstrated in a stunning Batmobile chase. And because of all that, uh, it was no surprise that Superman told him to give up the vigilante gig. Can't go around killing people. Even though, next up... Superman breaks Sod's neck. Yep. As you know, again, I had no problems with this because he's killed before. Even Christopher Reeve's Superman has killed. Mm, true. So, um, now... Zack Snyder was attempting to present a new rookie Superman who was seriously out of his depth, and he set up a scene in which Superman would be forced to kill. Um, so apparently modern audiences proved a lot more sensitive, and Zod's death became one of the most controversial superhero scenes of the decade. Ah, uh, yes. Now, <laughs> this, this next one is just ridiculous on so many levels. And that was Henry Cavill's mustache. Yeah. <clears throat> so, how can one mustache cause so much trouble? Well, when Josh Joss Whedon took over as director of Justice League after Zack Snyder left, he decided to conduct extensive reshoots. Of course, the problem was that many of the actors had already moved on. For example, Henry Cavill had moved on to shooting scenes for Mission Impossible Fallout. And... To do that movie, he had grown a mustache. Yep. And, and so when they did the reshoots, Paramount wasn't willing to let him shave it off for the benefit of a rival studio. So as a result, Warner Brothers used CGI to digi digitally remove Henry Cable's mustache from the Justice League reshoots. But the CGI shave didn't go well, and Superman's lip proved distract distracting to audiences every moment he was on screen. <laughs> it was especially pronounced in Justice League's opening scene, ensuring the audiences got off on the wrong foot. Yeah. <laughs> well, Marvel Studios' biggest misstep was in Iron Man 3 with the infamous Mandarin Twist. Uh, revealing that the supposed terrorists called the Mandolin, Mandolin, Mandarin, Mandolin, uh, the, the Mandarin, man the Mandolin, as the, <laughs> as the keeper of the five, five twigs from West Virginia. Um, he was, he was really a down on his luck actor. It was actually a clever twist, but didn't meet the expectations. Uh, most comic fans expected Marvel to play the Mandarin straight. And he had been set up pretty effectively in Iron Man and Iron Man 2. 
the twist proved so controversial that Marvel filmed an entire one shot as an apology to viewers to reassure them that the real deal was still out there. Actually, the Mandarin is finally due to make his debut in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Ah, he's being, yeah. He's being played by Tony Leung. Yes. <sighs> and then the worst of them all. And I definitely got to agree with this one. Number one is the Martha moment in Batman versus Superman. Why'd you say that name? <laughs> the top slot can only go to the scene that launched a thousand memes. So, Batman vs. Superman saw the Dark Knight and the Man of Steel go head-to-head. On paper, it should have been a perfect movie. Uh, even though Batman seemed outmatched, it was a fight he'd prepared for. Of course, he's Batman. So the brawl came to an end when Superman appealed to Batman to save his mother, Martha. And his cry for help forced Batman to reevaluate him and see him as a human. That's not how it came off, though. Uh, Depending on who you ask, this is either a well-signposted, well-nuanced scene that fits well with the themes of the film as a whole. No. Or it comes all out of the blue, strains belief and beyond, well beyond breaking point and just doesn't work at all. The Martha moment has been mocked throughout popular culture and will go down in history, just not in the way Warner Brothers would have preferred because right. it was stupid. You would have name is my Why did you say that name? That's so bad. So- <laughs> oh, it was horrible. Yeah, um, name, we can be friends now. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Uh, actually, I do have a final thought, and that is actually it's it's uh, it's a little bit of a sad thought, but uh, it kind of uh, bookends the thought you brought up in the beginning of the show, and that is um, my thought is that cosmonaut Alexei Leonov, who is the first person to walk in space. Has passed on oh, at the man. age of five. Yes. Wow. Of course, you know, he was a Soviet era cosmonaut, but, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, he did make history and uh, he has passed on. So, uh, wow. We've lost another legend. Yep. yep. Well, I have nothing else. So, uh, on that note, then, there's only one thing left to be asked. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. To the Batmobile. Let's go.